This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey there, stackers in Des Moines, Iowa, and in Minneapolis. I am coming to see you, not them, you. And I wanted to add something here from the editing bay before we press play on today's episode. I am going to be in Minneapolis on July 17th. That is true. We also know I'll be at Prize Brewing now, P-R-Y-E-S. That is in Minneapolis, stackybenjamins.com slash Minneapolis to go to our Eventbrite to sign up. But you know what? If you can't make it to the Eventbrite and at the last minute you got nothing to do, just come on and say hi. I would love to reprise what we did last year, Minneapolis. It was so much fun. 6.30 p.m., Prize Brewing, July 17th. Then July 18th, Des Moines. My friend Adam Carroll, who has that fantastic TEDx video that millions of people watch where he played uh, Monopoly against his kids. Adam said, go to Global Brew. I said, okay, let's go to Global Brew. I left them a message, found out the place is huge, said, yeah, we could just have a meetup there. Found out this morning, it is closed. It's closed forever. So as of right now, we're going to be at Peace Tree Brewing on Tuesday, July 18th, Des Moines. Peace Tree Brewing on July 18th. Hope you can join me on Tuesday as I make my way back home. All right, uh, stackingbenjamins.com slash Des Moines, by the way, for that. I will be coming to other places around the United States later, stackers. But for now, I'm coming to your ears with another podcast. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and think you can't get scammed? Sure you can. Today, we find out just how easy it is to scam us and what to look out for from dynamic duo Daniel Simons and Christopher Chabri. In our headlines, want to see a come on for an investment that may not be a scam, but that gives us all the warning signs? We'll share. Plus, we'll throw out the Haven lifeline to Lucas, who wants Joe and OG's advice on his ESPP. And then I'll share some rivalry-related trivia. And now, two guys who love to bend your ear, Joe and O-J-J-J-J-J. Hey there, stackers. So happy you found us. I am Joe Salcihai, Average Joe Money on Twitter. And welcome to the Stacky Benjamin Show. Sit back and relax because we are about to have some financial fun 
and the guy bringing it still in an undisclosed location. I think the FBI might have you uh, all uh, separated from society. Mr. OG is here. Is that true? Is it? Uh, are you in hiding? No, not in hiding. Um, just uh, with pretty poor internet quality up here in uh, northern Michigan. I just think that this that this is all a ruse, this whole uh, forest fire thing. I think it's because you have such a fan base and they're all like you and Taylor Swift. And so they have this fog they're putting around you to make sure that, you know, you're not swarmed by by your fans. Yes, that's exactly it. <laughs> we got a we got a great show today. We got a couple of amazing gentlemen, uh, both not only college professors, but amazing writers and storytellers. They're coming on to talk about avoiding scams. Before that, we have a great headline. But before that, you know, Doug, I was thinking, you talk about fishing all the time. Yep, sure do. You know how you know how fishermen always tell the stories about how they caught one this big? Uh, yeah. Well, listen to this story. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers, they're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Wow, that really was a big one. Tell me another one, Uncle Joe. Well, you know what I think about Navy Federal? I think about the veterans that have done so much for our country. And I also think about some of our active service members. want to say a special shout out to... Uh, my nephews, Colin and Nathan, who are both in the Navy. Colin is stationed outside Seattle, Washington on a submarine. And my nephew, Nathan, is in South Africa as an air traffic controller. And in Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants you also to celebrate members, many of whom go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. It's all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their family are eligible for Navy Federal membership. They offer 24-7 help from their U.S.-based member service. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate to see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender. And then they lived happily ever after. Best fish story ever. <laughs> Daniel Simons, Christopher Shabri are here, but first a headline, so let's go. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our stacking Benjamin's headlines. Well, this all started, today's headline started with a Twitter a piece that I saw, OG, that said above market returns, and it had a click-through link, and this is on the Benzinga website. And of course, by the way, of all wonderful news articles when you look at these though the piece written by martin pantovic benzinga staff writer this is headline closing the wealth gap investment fund delivers impressive returns to its investors and tenants that sounds pretty incredible number one 
Number two is now that I know more about chat GPT, that reads like a chat GPT title right there. Chat GPT title always has that colon after the first part. Experience the force colon watch star wars what it, I, I don't know why chat gpt loves that in the title but in little tiny letters off to the right where it's easy to miss it says advertiser disclosure uh, i don't have the trombone thing i don't, I don't have the button the <laughs> trombone uh, hold on i will uh somewhere where oh here we go gee i got you i got you but i feel bad for people brought in by this because let me read Saving money is an unattainable luxury for most Americans. In a recent survey, 69% of respondents admitted they have less than $1,000 in their bank accounts. With an emergency fund out of the picture, their one car breakdown or a medical bill away from bankruptcy. So you think to yourself, well, this is cool. This is going to be all about helping people get an emergency fund together, right? This is about people that are going to start saving some money. Then it says, you can only imagine what an opportunity like Roots means for them. What? Wait, why are we... We're transitioning into an investment. Instead of telling people to put money into a savings account, is there emergency fund? We immediately transfer into investment territory. Roots is a quote, people first investment platform. I don't I don't know any investment, by the way, this is we are not people first. It's like you know what I put money. first? Dogs and cats and robots. <laughs> like go down to your local car dealer and see if they put people first first, you know? Uh, it's redefining the landlord-tenant relationship. Does that That's need to be redefined? Buzzword. Redefining. I know. They're going to think out it of the box. It allows tenants to- It's a paradigm shift. <laughs> Are they going to synergize? Yes. <laughs> but it's a win-win. I'm thinking win-win. Yeah. Allows tenants to save significant amounts of money just by being good neighbors and taking good care of the property. The outcome, the portfolio value was up 16% in a single year. Did I hear that? I would be a good tenant if I helped- upkeep the property right yes if you can just do the lawn maintenance uh yeah room room (laughs) 7701 g you guys do uh the weeding on mondays and wednesdays and uh room 405 b uh you guys are going to go ahead and um take the trash out and uh empty the gutters so are, are people investing in a commune is that what this is it is investing in, you can make these investments as little as $100, and you'll own a piece of real estate. That, By the way, people want to look at this. It's investwithroots.com. And by the way, just Roots people, if you caught on that we're, we're trolling your company a little bit here, I don't know if you're a scam or not, but I do know that when we lead with emergency fund and thank God roots came along. And by the way, I'm investing in real estate and I'm quote redefining something. That's one of the oldest investment areas in, in history. Like all of a sudden nobody had a good idea. OG. And then roots had a good idea. Just looks a little suspicious. So you click through the roots website. There are spelling <laughs> errors. Yes. There's spelling errors. Excellent. Now being able to spell and investing money, I understand are two different things, but if you can't employ a spot check of your, of your spelling, the last thing, this is pretty, pretty scary. Liquidity roots offers investors liquidity every quarter, not common for many other alternative investments. How often OG, how often do you uh, put money in real estate and you're able to get that money right back out very quickly, very easily? Uh, None of the time. So I'm investing in real estate. I'm beating market returns, according to the Twitter piece that led me here. 
I have spelling errors. I'm promising liquidity in an illiquid area. The meter is rising. Is it pegged? Is the is the BS meter <laughs> pegged at BS? It just and what's sad is that companies don't have to do this. Why do they think they have to do this, OG? It just, I mean, I'm not talking about roots. I'm just talking about any of these companies that do this. They feel like they got to have this really sensational crap and we don't need any of it. Oh, gee, what are some of the buzzwords you look for? Let's get away from roots and we'll, we'll let up on them a little bit. But when you're looking at investment choices, what are some of the, the, uh, maybe not red flags, but green flags. If we're talking about buying real estate, what are some of the things you want to see in a good real estate investment? Well, I'm not particularly interested in any sort of private real estate investment of any kind. It's already hard enough to get your money out of properties that you own directly. Why do I want to make it doubly hard by investing with other people? And most of those, if you look through a lot of those prospectuses and read through the offering disclosures, it reads like a Ponzi scheme, frankly, because you're using they're using a lot of other people's money to fund the operations. And there's a lot of stuff that you can look for in the disclosures there. But the big thing is when it comes to investing, there's no such thing as the free lunch, right? If you've unlocked the secret to market beating returns, whatever the heck that's supposed to mean, you have to be taking higher levels of of risk. You have to have more opportunity for decline. It's just how it works. You know, you put your money in the savings account at the bank and you're guaranteed to get that same money out regardless of what happens at the bank because you've got in, the bank has insurance and you've got insurance with the government and in exchange for that instant access guaranteed uh, safety and security of your money you get a three percent return in your savings account or whatever the interest rate is if you want to own an ice cream parlor in northern michigan you better be getting a much bigger return than savings account rates right you're not going to buy a an ice cream shop and hopefully get 3% return on your money. That would be stupid. You can get 3% at the bank. And so you kind of you know look at those two dichotomies and say, okay, well, this is super secure. And then this one is you know super concentrated and all my money's at risk all the time. Where do we land from an investment standpoint? And you consider you know, your, your ubiquitous S&P 500 index fund, which is the 500 biggest companies in the United States. And it's a whole bunch of different industries, and that historically produces a 10% return over time. So if you go, okay, there are my benchmarks, 3, 10, and gigantic. And then if you find data or find a product or, or an investment that doesn't kind of follow that line of thinking, something's amiss. You don't get to have 25% return and liquidity. Those things don't match. You know, it's just not, it's just not a thing. And so there has to be more to the story. And the more to the story is leverage or it's a scam or you're using other people's money. Like there's other, other ways to make that happen, but it doesn't make it wrong. I'm just saying there's more to the story along the way. I couldn't agree more because the things that I want to see from a company like Roots is I want to see that disclosure that it might be difficult to get my money out. I don't, I don't want to hear that this is above average returns. I want to hear, because if you're confident enough in your investment strategy that you can tell me all the negatives and you put them out there, I actually like the investment better then. You know what I mean? Because I feel like, hey, if they're getting investors and they're still telling me all the things that could go wrong, then that, to your point, may not be a place that I'm looking for, but I'm much more likely to choose that versus this, you know, what I'm seeing on my well, screen I'm looking right looking at, I think the downside with that, Joe, is that when you look at pull a 10Q report or a 10K from any company and they have, 
you know, the section on material risks. And it's written like, you know, obviously the lawyers wrote it. It's like Coca-Cola. What's the big risk? Well, we might run out of syrup or, you know, our trucking industry manufacturers could go on strike and we've got labor issues in this country. Like they, they list like quite potentially every single solitary thing that they can think of to CYA. And so I don't know that the, the right answer is to, you know, here's all the CYA stuff. Here's all the lawyers telling us what to do. I I'm just, not talking about that. I just think that. Yeah, you know, I know you're saying from a marketing standpoint, but I'm I'm just looking at it and saying, logically, it can't work. If the collection of the 500 biggest companies in the world that are the most capitalized, that have the most access to resources, have the most access to the smartest people in the entire universe, and they they squeak out 10% a year on average, how are you doing 16? <laughs> 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 right? Like you, it can happen, but there's a trade off there, right? It's like, it's, a, you know, in your small business, we have to grow at 15 or 20% a year. Otherwise, it would be stupid to reinvest your profits. Like, I understand you have to do it, but then you have to, you know, think about that from an investment standpoint. There's a greater amount of risk in investing in that small organization than it is investing in, in the 500 biggest companies in the world. So I think anytime you see investment, um, esoteric type things, just kind of stack it up against those those two barometers that you know. My savings account is instant liquidity and I get 3%. My S&P fund is also pretty liquid. You know, it takes a couple of days, but it's pretty liquid. And I get 10. Now, where does this fall in that? And if it doesn't fall in that kind of, you know, along that spectrum, you got to kind of start asking some other questions along the way, I think. That's why I love when we have had uh, sponsors to this show that have been that have been alternative investment choices. I just like the fact that they've spelled that out. You know, don't invest. This clearly draws a line between your emergency fund and real estate clearly draws that every advertiser we've had. That's in alternatives where your money might be locked up. They immediately say this should, this should not be money. You need liquid. Yeah, this should never not be, be emergency fund. Yeah. And I remember one of the IPO firms that uh, we worked with for a while was like, don't buy one IPO. If you're going to buy IPOs, listen, you could lose your money in all these. So we always recommend people buy three or four just to diversify, right? So they actually, their marketing is a part of the risk of what's going on and they, and they put it out there versus, yeah, this stuff. So uh, I'll tell you what, Kevin uh, Bailey and company are going to dive into this even more in our 201 where we have curated links to talk even more. If you want to see even more about this risk versus reward that OG's been talking about, if you also want to see some of the some of the dangers of investing in some of these asset classes and maybe things that have happened in the past, our newsletter, the 201, stackingbenjamins.com slash 201 comes out tomorrow with that. It also comes out the day after every Monday, Wednesday show. Stackingbenjamins.com slash 201 to get that. Coming up next... Daniel Simons and Christopher Shabri are two amazing professors. I've seen them speak at Google, uh, and their backgrounds are incredible. Daniel Simons is a professor of psychology at the University of Illinois, where he heads up the Visual Cognition Laboratory. His PhD is from a little university called Cornell, where, Doug, you and I have partied at Cornell before. I mean, we've we gone to Cornell. I got a graduate degree in partying at Ithaca <laughs> and up the hill at Cornell. Do we get to say we've gone? We we went to Cornell because <laughs> we oh, did the, for one night. Yeah, I we had a residency at the chapter <laughs> <We> house. <did. laughs> yes, Doctor, it might be <laughs> we owned that back room, dude. <laughs> we were on stage. Oh my <laughs> god, we were. That was a big it, night. It might be a little different thing than what they did. That what he did oh. there. Uh, and Doctor oh. Christopher Shabri 
is a cognitive science who's taught at Union College and a little place called Harvard University. He's a fellow of the Association for Psychological Science. He also, by the way, is a master at chess, a poker amateur, and a games enthusiast. In fact, he wrote the Game On column in the Wall Street Journal for three years. So those guys going to talk to us about how we avoid scams. But before that, I think, Doug, you, you seem a little worked up about something. What's going on? Yeah, I am a little bit, Joe. Hey there, stackers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I'm no fool. Todd, assistant manager extraordinaire, as he likes to call himself down at the Sizzler, has been trying like Hades to get me to come back in for happy hour. He's mailing me these flyers to buy one app and get one free with a coupon. Look, I'm not falling for it, Todd. He says, it's just a promo. Look, everyone gets it, Doug. But Todd, I'm on to you. He's just trying to get me to bring my special friend in so he can hit on her. Well, not this time, Todd. You know what? I I think I will go down there. I'll go right down there and give him a piece of my mind. Speaking of face-offs, this day in 1804 was one of the most historic deadly matches, leaving one legendary man dead from a gut shot not in Weehawken, but its lesser-known sister city, Weehawken, New Jersey. Alexander Hamilton was the aide-de-camp and right-hand man to General George Washington in the Revolutionary War before his death. He was also a founding father, co-author of the Federalist Papers, and had some pretty diverse streams of income. He was the first Secretary of the Treasury and, apparently, a Broadway star before being gunned down by another famous American politician and apparently expert marksman. For the seven of you that haven't seen his show Hamilton, because... I'm going to be hard on Todd today. Let's give you an easy one to build up your trivia confidence, mostly so you can see what a great guy I am. Well, that mom, the original drama queen, says we should be encouraging to others, even the drama club kids. So my question is, who shot Alexander Hamilton? I'll be right back after I go down to the Sizzler and take care of Todd. Well, if you're new to Stacking Benjamins, you may not know that I've tried out a lot of personal finance apps. I like to be a guinea pig and try out all these things. So I know what I'm talking about when it comes to uh, what's helpful and what isn't helpful. And uh, the app that I've used the longest has been Monarch Money. And it's because Cheryl and I, my spouse, were able to collaborate together. We can work on our goals together and our budget and our goals are right next to each other on the app. It is clearly the next generation of personal finance apps. So what is it? Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, because you're a stacker, you'll get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. I love the fact that we get to collaborate. I love the fact that it's customizable. And I also love that it's this ad-free privacy you can trust. They never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying out Monarch myself, I totally get why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, because you're a stacker, you're going to get an extended 30-day free trial to try it out like I try out many different apps. And this one was sticky for me because... Well, you'll see when you try out the 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y.com slash Benjamins for your extended 30-day free trial. 
And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Well, don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment's the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal, rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line, and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words... Your money's breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money in the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Hey there, stackers. I'm big talker and sizzler regular Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And today I'm talking about an epic battle between two famous American politicians that dueled to the death over Alexander Hamilton's smack talk of his political rival on TikTok or, you know, maybe at a dinner party and years of bitter rivalry at the duel. Hamilton missed and instead shot a tree branch while his opponent hit his mark. While he won the duel, he might have lost the war because he was later indicted in both New Jersey and New York for murder. So who was the man that murdered Alexander Hamilton? It was none other than his nemesis, Aaron Burr. And now it's time to talk about deception and how to escape it with Daniel Simons and Christopher Chabri. And I'm super happy they're here with us to help us fight the game against scammers. Dan and Chris, how are you guys? Good. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, doing great. Well, I'm super happy that you're here. You know, you begin with a quote from James Mattis in your foreword, which really hit me hard because as former U.S. Defense Secretary and a Marine General, no matter what your politics are, he's a guy that commands a lot of respect. And I also think he's a man that, and I'm sure this is why you used him at the beginning, is a guy that you would think wouldn't be fooled. And yet you begin with him for a reason because he says, quote, once in a while, we can all be fooled by something. What was he talking about in this quote that begins your work? I guess, Dan, we'll start with you. Why start with General Mattis? Well, it was, it was an interesting example because uh, he had been fooled by Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos and had served on the board of Theranos, uh, had backed a lot of the claims that uh, Elizabeth Holmes had made and was taken in as were other uh, retired you know, generals and admirals and secretaries of state who were, were fooled by what you had to sell. Um, they found her really compelling. He had access to all the data too. I mean, he had access to everything he wanted and he got fooled. Yeah, to the extent that anybody had access to all of the data sure. in that case. Well, good point. Uh, I think it was a pretty stage-managed corporate board. You know, the yeah. one distinguishing thing about that group was that Elizabeth Holmes and, and maybe some of her lieutenants seemed to be in pretty strong control of what information was flowing where. And, and yet- people still didn't sort of pick up on that. People like Mattis and others still sort of believed everything that she said was going on at, at the company. Well, Chris, and you guys right after talking about James Mattis, you say that admitting you've been fooled isn't easy. But And I have to imagine this discussion we're about to have about fraudsters. Fraudsters must prey on that, that people don't want to admit, even if they've gotten fooled, Chris, that they got fooled. I think it's true that nobody likes to admit that they were a victim of this kind of thing. That's one reason why we, we sort of commend Mattis and use him as an example, because he and others who were fooled by Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos did eventually admit it, but it can take time and it's not necessarily easy. And it's not necessarily a, a conscious or an intentional desire not to admit it. It's that we're very good at convincing ourselves that we haven't been fooled. 
And the way that good fraudsters take advantage of us is they make it really easy for us to find other explanations for what's going on than we have literally been deceived by someone and taken for money or, you know, whatever. That's a great lead into my next question, guys, because there is a central concept that you have in this book that emanates throughout it. And you display this using a fairly famous duo that you quote. I think our stackers will know who these two gentlemen are. You know, you know, some of you might think this is funny for sissy. So, you know, go ahead and laugh now. But let me tell you something, my friend. You'll be the one that's laughing later. That's right. You know, hear me now and believe this later. You know, if you want to play games with us, let me tell you one thing. Let the games begin. Yeah. <laughs> that's, of course, Hans and Franz, who you call from SNL. They say, hear us now and believe us later. And Dan, you say that's a key because our brains don't work that way. Yeah. Instead, we, we tend to believe right away and only question later, right? Which is an interesting problem. We, we tend to accept the truth of what other people are telling us as a default. And it takes effort and critical thinking to question that. And often we just don't have the time or the energy. If we're distracted or if we're being sold something that sounds really appealing to us, we tend not to question it. We tend to assume we're being told the truth, which is why things like the Theranos fraud could persist for so long, despite really intelligent people being fooled. They didn't question it. They assumed what they were being told was true. And it took a long time for them to realize, oh, this might not be. We talk in our headline segment of the show a lot about fraudsters, especially preying on some of the seniors. Doug from our show, his mom almost got scammed by somebody saying that her kids needed money, right? I mean, this is something that, as you guys point out, we want to believe. And yet, Chris, this isn't always about crime. I mean, your example about Theranos, businesses are using this a lot to prey on our bias toward truth when they're selling us. Yeah, it's true. It's it's not just fraud, scams, the things we would traditionally think of as as criminal or even things you can sue people over, but there's all kinds of deceptive marketing. There's deceptive political communication. There is also you know, a variety of deceptive science that's being done, either scientists sort of deceiving one another into publishing fake papers and so on, or to some extent deceiving the public by making more grandiose claims about what their research says than what the data actually justify. Before we get into how these half-truths and untruths spread, I want to give maybe an example that's a little closer to home for our stacker community. The Certified Financial Planning Board had a commercial that went almost as viral as you guys in your gorilla video. We won't go into your gorilla video from a few years ago, but we will share it on our show notes page for people that want to see your, your viral video. But this is a commercial from the Certified Financial Planning Board of this preying on people's bias toward uh, that they're being told the truth. These are a bunch of people meeting with well, let's just listen because they're meeting with this guy in a suit. Let me talk to you about retirement. A 401k is the most sound way to go. Let's talk asset allocation. Sure. You seem knowledgeable, professional. Would you trust me as your financial advisor? I would. I would indeed. Well, let's be clear here. I'm actually a DJ. <laughs> no way. <laughs> I have no financial experience at all. That really is you. If they're not a CFP pro, you just don't know. And then it goes into marketing for the CFP board. But damn, we want to believe the guy's in a suit. Mm -hmm. He says a bunch of stuff that we know is going to resonate with us. So we, we hope he's telling the truth. Yeah, we, we tend to kind of buy into those sort of characteristics of things that we find true. So if somebody's wearing a suit, they look more professional, we're going to be more likely to believe them. If they're in a context and they're talking in a way that sounds reasonable, we're more likely to trust them, right? It seems familiar to us. It's consistent with what we expect. And if people meet our expectations, then we tend to buy into it. 
that's how a lot of con artists who impersonate other professions, right, who pretend to be somebody from another profession, that can work because they give all of the sort of signs and signals of being of that profession, even though they don't know anything. I'm so glad to see a keyboard use this for good because this guy had, you know, DJ dread. He, he truly looked like a DJ and they just cut his hair. They put him into a suit. They changed out his beard. They covered up his tattoos. And all of a sudden they think that he's this, you know, completely different person. Chris, you guys make a big point that social media really makes this worse. Talk to me about that. Well, I think one thing that social media does when it comes to deception and disinformation is it, it, it makes it possible to do it at a very large scale. Consider, for example, the Nigeria, famous Nigerian email scam or the Nigerian print <laughs> scam that has been going around for decades. It originally began in letters through the mail. And then when the fax machine came around, then they started faxing out these offers and then, you know, email on AOL and so on. And, you know, social media connects more people with more people than any of these technologies. So it provides an even better vector for disseminating deceptive appeals. And one reason that's important is that we often don't think about this when we think about these scams. We think this is an outrageous, silly scam. Like, I would never fall for this. How does this even work on anyone? Well, it only needs to work on a few people. And one of the ways to find those few people to give you a lot of money is to start with thousands, right? So social media, the internet, you know, vastly interconnected world in a variety of ways makes the scammer's job a lot easier in a sense that they can send out a lot of hooks, you know, and then see see who bites, it also does make it possible for people to waste their time by engaging with them and like never, you know, actually sending money and so on. That's the way to that's the way to mess these folks up is to is to come up with ways of of getting them to keep on wasting their time on you without ever sending any money. But social media certainly, you know, enhances that. And also, you know, the other aspect of social media I'd point to is that we often read something, it's been communicated by a friend or some other source, you know, that we have no reason to distrust probably lowers our guard a little bit and increases our truth bias a little if a friend of ours said it and maybe makes us more likely to share it as well. And then the fact that you can share things and propagate them so much just multiplies, you know, multiplies the effect. I remember this happening in my own life. My cousin uh, shared something on social media, which was, it was a very scientific look at the inside of the human body. And this was in the early days of COVID. And it showed how, you know, the, the, the whole thing about COVID being in your throat and how if you just gargled salt water, they made it look super scientific. If you gargled salt water, that would help with COVID. And this all boils down, you guys say, to one line, whether it's COVID or in your book, you talk about Supreme Court justices supposedly all saying they don't want Neil Gorsuch as a Supreme Court judge. You say, Dan, one line, which is accept less and check more, which seems like we do it. My cousin's not a dummy. It seems like she'd do this. Yeah. And part, part of the issue is that when we hear something from a friend, we're just more likely to accept it right away because they're familiar. We tend to trust them. They, we assume that they're going to be passing along things that are true. And that's especially a problem when you believe something to be true, when you expect something to be true, or it's consistent with your sort of worldview, right? So there's an example we use in the book in which there was a chart that was published about the time to infection for COVID, right? Same sort of thing. And it was this chart that was saying, look, better masks give you better protection, which was absolutely true, right? There wasn't any debate about that, really. But it gave you a specific amount of time that you'd be protected, which was nonsense, right? It was gibberish. There, there was no way you could actually calculate that because there are too many factors other than masks that affect how long it takes to get infected. And there weren't any good measures of the time to infection in that time. So that was gibberish. But because the message was, hey, better masks are better, people who were proponents of masking regulations were all about it. We're retweeting it and posting it and including really methodologically sophisticated people, people who really know their stats, 
didn't check it because it was consistent and it was passed along by somebody they, they trusted. I love how this is just a little shock absorber. You know, you just take just this second and go, okay, is this the truth? You pause for just a second. You guys have a lot of kind of shortcut things in this book about how to just take a quick pause. And Chris, you mentioned that Van Halen had something that they put in their contracts that kind of shows this little pause that you do to make sure people are doing what they say they're going to do. Can you tell me the Van Halen story? Yes, I love that shock absorber metaphor. I wish we had included that in our book. But uh, (laughs) what, what Van Halen did was back in the 80s, of course, they had a very complicated stage show with all kinds of rigging and pyrotechnics and all kinds of stuff happening on the stage. And of course, they would go from city to city you know, playing one or two shows in each city. And they couldn't be there the whole time for the whole assembly of everything. So a crew would assemble everything in advance, and then they would show up and and start performing. And what they did was they put a a writer in their contract saying, in our dressing room, uh, we would like uh, a large bowl of M&Ms with all the brown ones removed. And, you know, it's, we're, it's sort of well known that celebrities often have these exotic, you know, riders in their contract about exactly what drinks they want and how many bowls of blueberries and so on. Well, they wanted M&Ms, but no brown ones. And it's not that they hated the brown M&Ms. It's that if they looked in the bowl and saw any brown M&Ms, they would then know that perhaps the locals had not been as attentive to detail as they wish. And while the M&Ms wouldn't kill them, a mistake in the pyrotechnics or the rigging or something like that possibly could. So then they would accelerate their checking. Um, you know, they would actually go out and and run through the entire production with people, and you know, look for all kinds of look for all kinds of potential mistakes. One thing that's really cool about that is that they're building in the checking as an automatic thing, right? So right. they don't have to check every single time. They only need to check when you've got this trigger, this cue that something is wrong. It's nice to set that up in advance so that you're not having to constantly question everything you get. But when you get something that's like, yes, yeah, somebody passed this along, and it sounds like exactly what I want to hear, those are the moments when you should check the most. Right. That's when you should say, is that really true? What would I need to know to make sure that that was true? Theranos was a pretty, it seems to me, watching some of the documentary, reading about this, quite an elaborate cover-up. Are most of these frauds elaborate schemes? In general, no. The ones that get a lot of publicity are, and the ones that people write books about, and, and so on, those often are. I would say most deceptions and frauds are actually pretty simple. For example, in politics, uh, you know, one one clever subterfuge that parties sometimes try is to run a candidate with the same last name or a more familiar and recognizable last name as the candidate that they are against. So that way, if enough voters get confused and vote for the other Rodriguez instead of the Rodriguez who (laughs) they were planning on voting for, and that's one that actually happened in Florida, we mentioned in the book, you know, a few votes, a couple hundred votes, whatever can make the difference in a close in a close election. Well, that's pretty simple. All they, you know, they, they did have to find someone and, and, you know, and put them up for election. But it wasn't like Ocean's Eleven with all kinds of, you know, sleights of hand and technological innovations and, and so on. It was it was pretty simple. Complicated frauds will use a lot of the different ideas that we, we mentioned in our book. So Theranos had a lot of stuff going on at different times over the years with different people. But some frauds that affect a lot of people are actually quite simple in nature. Yeah. Phishing emails are are a perfect example of that, right? There's nothing particularly sophisticated about a phishing email. It's just social engineering. It's trying to set you up to respond to something when you shouldn't, when you're busy and you're not thinking carefully, right? There's not a whole lot of elaborate sort of movie style moving parts in that. It's just, will you make the mistake of clicking when you shouldn't, right? Will you enter your password when you shouldn't? Dan, I'm glad you brought up the phishing scams out there because a question that I had as I was reading through your book is, you know, and this this actually goes back to Van Halen and the brown M&Ms too. I have heard 
that a lot of these phishing scams, like I think really would I fall for this because there are spelling errors all over this thing. And then I heard from uh, somebody I think is an expert tell me that these phishing scams put those in on purpose because they're trying to find people who just look at the big picture and, you know, they're not looking for the brown M&Ms. Is that true? It's like the Nigerian email scam, right? That they don't want somebody who's skeptical of it to respond, right? Because the person who's skeptical of it will spend time engaging with them, but won't eventually send money, right? They'll eventually realize that this is not right and will back away from it. What they want is the person who's going to respond to them and then engage. They want to actually select for gullibility. Right? They're, they're trying to identify, and if they can send out millions of these, all they need is you know, a handful to respond, and they, they do fine. A lot of the phishing is, is more targeted to corporations now. Right? So business email compromise is one of the biggest sources of fraud these days, and it starts with phishing. Right? If you can get access to corporate account, email accounts, then you can find out how invoices are processed, and you can fake them. Um, or you can get people's personal credentials by infiltrating the system. Yeah, I know my wife works in healthcare and, and scammers going after healthcare records was a big thing a few years ago because it was very vulnerable. Nobody had targeted that yet. You know, it's funny going back to you guys talking about most of these being straightforward. We've seen a lot of deception in the world of uh, cryptocurrencies. Uh, you guys point out that the FTX thing was fairly straightforward. Walk me through what happened at FTX, if you don't mind, Dan. Uh, Chris, why don't you take this one? All right. Yeah. It's a complicated company and a complicated industry, but the reason why the company failed and sort of had to be you know, liquidated and put into bankruptcy so quickly is that they had told their customers one thing, which was that the funds that people deposited with FTX as an exchange, as a broker, you know, and so on, it was performing a lot of functions you know, at once in finance that are often separated between other companies because crypto is unregulated. But they basically said, if you gave us your money, we will hold on to it. And we, we won't put it in other places. And then literally they did put it in other places. One of the main ones being Alameda Research, which was an affiliated company essentially run by the same people, but which made risky investments with their funds, essentially a, you know, essentially a hedge fund. And, you know, if you give your money to the bank, the ordinary bank, you don't expect that they're going to tell you they can't get it back because it was invested in a lot of speculative, you know, long-term investments, you know, that can't be liquidated quickly. And in fact, you know, in that case, there were lots of losses <laughs> as well. It's not just there were, you know, things yeah. were locked up by liquid. There were, there were losses, you know, many elements to, the unregulated nature of, of cryptocurrency companies that I think, you know, lend themselves very easily to frauds of, of various sorts, like ridiculous overclaims of the, the returns you're going to get and how they're guaranteed. A lot of cryptocurrency companies have, have operated basically by just guaranteeing returns because in the short run, you know, Bitcoin was going up, things were going up. They were able to get away with that and people believed and trusted those claims. That's a general principle, right? That uh, when you're dealing with an unregulated industry, that's going to be an industry that has fraud, right? And yeah. you know, everything from crypto to you know, high-quality art sales, they're not particularly regulated industries, and there are some big-time frauds in those cases. It's a situation where you don't have the brown M&M test anywhere. There's no check, there's no regulation, there's no verification. And when, when that's the case, it makes it really easy for a handful of people to do a lot of damage, even if many of the others are not. You dive uh, deeper into the overall concept of accepting less and checking more in different areas. And I want to just highlight one here in the last few minutes we have together. 
you dive into in chapter one of your book, which uh, the first section is about what you call habits. You first of all start off with one gentleman, a guy named John Edward. John Edward is a is a psychic that many of our Stacker family have heard before. If you haven't heard, I just want to play a little clip. This is uh, John Edwards in the Meredith Vieira show. Psychic medium John Edward, and now he is going to read members of our very own audience. When you do these kinds of group readings, John, how does that work? Well, whatever is going to come through, I see, hear, and feel, and that's called clairvoyance, clairaudience, and clairsentience. And what happens is I don't see them like I'm seeing you. I don't hear them like I'm like we're able to right. speak. It's really just thoughts and like downloads, and it's like psychic sign language. So it's like if somebody was deaf and they communicated in symbols, it's the same thing, and then I have to figure out what they want me to say. So if I come to you, just say yes or no, um, and it's important that you might have an A-lister that you want to, I call it the A-lister, like, you know, you have your A-list celebrity on the other side you want to hear from, but I might connect with your ex-mother-in-law, the one that you didn't like. So, <laughs> All right, take it away, John, I'm okay. getting out of if, the picture. If I come to you and I talk about people being above you, it just means older, below you would be younger, and to your side would be around the same age. Names and initials come through, it's how I'm able to kind of tune in to, like, who's here. I am being pulled into the section. Somebody passed in a car accident, and I feel like the accident that happened was not their fault, which means something had to hit them. Either they're in the passenger seat or something happened, but I need to say it, but it's in this section over here. I know that the month of May is connected, or the fifth of a month is important in some way in the family, and they're telling me to talk about Tommy, 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 Tommy. So there's got to be a T name either living or connected to this. If this makes sense over here, you can raise your hand. Thank you. We're going to get mics to you. And of course, there's a couple who are shaking their head at first because they can't believe that this all applies to them. And then they stand up with the mics and uh, proceed to apparently verify some facts. But can you guys walk us through what might be really going on with John Edward? There are several things that could be going on there, right? So a lot of people who do this sort of television psychic shtick, a lot of it's staged, right? They get information about people in advance who are going to be in the audience and they, they don't realize their plants, but they fill out a lot of information before they come and they'll use that, right? They'll use it to kind of get some hits occasionally. The other thing that they do is... In a lot of these sorts of cold readings, they leave themselves a ton of options. So he's saying this Tommy, Tommy, Tommy thing, something with a T. Either the 5th or May. It's either the 5th or May. And a car accident, you know, all of the people who are there are presumably people who have had somebody in their family die. What are the most common causes of death? Right. Well, car accidents, accidents are a pretty common one. In most cases, people are going to claim that it wasn't their fault. So you've automatically built up a potential audience base, you know, May narrows it down, but he could work with something. If somebody had a T name that wasn't May, he'd say, okay, that's close enough. And just he'll just roll with it. And he'll go so quickly that you won't realize he's just dropped some of the things he's requested. Right? So there's a lot of very fast banter, a lot of nonsense. And clarisentience? I, I've never even heard that term before. <laughs> there's a lot of nonsense in gibberish, but it's very fast. And he's counting on when you're going really fast, it's hard to question. He is talking very quickly. And in a charming way too, Dan. I mean, he seems very charming. Yep. And, you know, the people who are attending his shows really, for the most part, want to believe him, right? They're there because some people are going to go in there skeptical and wanting, an, you know, wanting the entertainment value of it. But the majority of his audience are people who are, you know, hoping to reach out to somebody they've lost, right? So it's preying on that sort of desire to kind of reconnect with somebody who's no longer with them. And that's, you know, that's somebody who's desperate in a sense. I was uh, reading this uh, spring, the wonderful biography about Vanderbilt and about how the Commodore, as they called him, he was a hard guy to fool. And yet 
there were these two women who were psychics that could bring back deceased relatives and they got tons of money out of him. <laughs> just tons of money because he totally wanted to believe. But Chris, what's the point here of what are we looking for with John? What's the bigger thing there, kind of our brown M&M thing here? <laughs> well, the main thing that he and performers like him exploit is our tendency to focus on what's in front of us, what he's saying, what he's talking about, and and what happens in the reading, and not to think about anything that's not in front of us. So, you know, we think about, oh, there's someone who answered, you know, yes, when he said, Tommy, Tommy T. We don't think about how many people are there whose name is some variation of Tommy, Tom, Thomas, you know, how many people have names starting with T? That is one of the most common first letters of names in English. If he said X, like that would be impressive, right? You know, but he's never <laughs> going to say X. And also car accidents, well, cancer is another one that he uses a lot. These are the most common causes of death. So he's sort of playing the statistics in a sense, right? Like if you throw out in a cold reading sort of some general concepts like this, you're going to find someone who you can then sort of, you know, make fit into the the picture without trying And in chapter one of the book, we talk about the principle of focus, which is that we're very good at focusing on the information in front of us. And that lets us, you know, do lots of nice things uh, that we couldn't do if we couldn't focus. But on the other hand, when we focus, then we neglect what's not in front of us, like what they're not mentioning. We don't think about what's missing. So we should sort of ask ourselves what's missing. You know, what other things could have happened? What things is he not telling us? What things is he directing our attention away from? Actually, they make lots of mistakes in these performances, but they sort of you know, they never follow up on those, right? They sort of go with what works. So we sort of forget about the mistakes uh, that happen along the way. It's a prime technique, I think, that people use to deceive us without us realizing we're being deceived. Direct our attention to what they want and away from what they don't want us to see. And in this particular case, he's so fast, which plays a role, right? It means that you don't have time to stop and think, oh, car accidents, those are really, really common causes of death. Right. You don't have time to think about that. All you think about is, oh, he found somebody who had somebody they know die in a car accident. We don't have the time to kind of question, okay, what are the odds of that? (laughs) Well, this concept of focusing on what's in front of us, I feel like this is why testimonials work so well for, I think, a lot of scammers. My friend does it. My friend recommends this. So this is why I'm going to do it. You guys mentioned Bernie Madoff in the book who are, you know, our stackers really know Bernie Madoff, but I'm 99.9% sure was referred from friends to other friends. And that's how he garnered so much money so quickly. Yeah, he didn't have a website you could go and sign up to have an account or anything like that. It was the it was the opposite. He didn't even have a computer connected to the internet almost. You got these printed statements, you know, on dot matrix printers. It was the most exclusive obscure club that everyone really wanted to get into and you could only get in there by, you know, being a friend of someone and and also by Bernie needing new money at the time, right? That was the other thing, right? Like <laughs> he made it seem exclusive when he didn't need investors, you know, then when he needed investors, he went around, you know, hat in hand and he had a good waiting list at that point, right? Of people who'd been waiting to get in, you know, so it was a very nice manipulation of of exactly that. I mean, that's the basis of multi-level marketing in general, right? You recruit in your friends. So it's somebody known who's appealing to the people you're trying to bring in. So fascinating. And we just barely scratched the surface. The book is called Nobody's Fool, Why We Get Taken In and What We Can Do About It. And it's available everywhere yesterday, correct? Yep. Exactly. Guys, thank you so much. I think we helped a lot of people not get scammed here. I I super appreciate your time. It was great chatting. That was fun. I'm Rocky Lalvani, the Profit Answer Man. And when I'm not helping small businesses stack Benjamins for themselves, I'm stacking Benjamins for myself. Big thanks to Daniel and Christopher. Just absolutely fascinating research that these guys did. And OG, it it completely is true. I, I think we got to pay a lot of attention to 
what are they not telling me? Not where's the truth and what they're telling me, but what topic are they avoiding? That seems to be where a lot of the magic is here. You're saying magic and I'm thinking smoke and mirrors right, and, exactly, you know, illusionists right, and David right. Copperfield. Maybe and not in a good way. Right. Like, look over here, look over here, but not here. Draw your attention to one thing. Yeah, maybe this is where my natural... Uh, God-given cynicism comes in <laughs> because I feel like you're, I was listening to them talk like, nobody sees these things. Go, this is all I see. All I see is the BS. <laughs> we knew you could use your powers for good at some point. <laughs> it's like, I, I feel like I would uh, pass the sniff test. But um, I mean, if it sounds like it's not possible to happen based on all the other things we were talking about in the story before about, you know, investment returns, you know, it's just probably BS. Like it's, or they don't know that it is. That's another side of this too, right? The other side of it is, you know, you can be in bed with somebody who's completely above board and still lose your butt. Great points. And and, and I had, I got to admit, I'd heard the Eminem story before the Van Halen story, but I never knew the, the OG. Did you ever know the reason? Our next Westwood One contract, we have to slide something in there. Like we that, do. So. <laughs> we totally do. John Wardock's going to be like, what the hell? No, just do it, John. I could yeah. stand to get some peanut M&Ms every day for doing this show. That would we be- want a bajillion dollars and some peanut M&Ms, right. please. Hey, why don't we throw a Thave and Lifeline? Pick one or the other. Yeah, it tackles up. I got, a, I got a free year of coffee. What was that, at McDonald's? Or was it at Star- where, where was it that, that Kramer on Seinfeld got a free year of coffee? That's right. Yes, I remember. Because it was so hot. And he's like, I just want one, one year of free coffee instead of like the millions of dollars. Well, the, well, the lawyer got him both millions of dollars and the free cup of coffee. And so he's explaining it to Kramer. He's like, I got you free your coffee and I'll take it. Deal. Take it. <laughs> just horrible. Uh, let's throw out David Lifeline and tackle some of life's most important questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency, Doug, they put what you value first. You know, I'll tell you what, sharp razor blade. I've been having problems with razor blades lately and been uh, kind of hacking up my face. So I just want something, just work, just work the way you're supposed to in the advertisements. I don't think on a life insurance course, I want to say it's your loved ones, your time, and a sharp razor blade. And something that you, that will not slice your neck. <laughs> it's not, I don't think, don't think. Seems like a match made in heaven, if you ask me. Don't think that's the marketing Haven Life's looking for here. Well. It's just, I get the feeling. It's why they made buying quality term life insurance actually simple, because apparently razor blades are not. Head to stackybedjamins.com slash Haven Life now for a free quote. Love what they're doing at Haven Life because they're offering a modern way to buy life insurance. The application's simple. It's all online. You get an instant coverage decision, affordable prices, and of course, all policies issued by their parent company, Mass Mutual, more than a 160-year-old insurer. We talk about doing business with, here's, here's, here's a good thing, do business with companies that have been around and you, you know that they've served thousands, if not millions of customers, 160-year-old insurer like Mass Mutual. StackyBenjamins.com slash Haven Life. Today, we're going to throw out the lifeline to Lucas. Hey there, Lucas. Hey, John OG. Hope y'all are doing well. I recently had my ESPP shares transferred from Morgan Stanley to UBS, and now the reported cost basis on the UBS site is super wonky and doesn't appear to line up with what I actually paid for the shares, which should be at a 15% discount. I'm sure I'll have to call them to figure out that exactly, but when filing my taxes for 2023, am I reporting the higher value or the 15% discount value as my cost basis? Thanks, guys. And just a note, I'd like only Joe and OG to answer this question, per Doug's recent history. <laughs> wow. Per, you know, you know, Doug, per your recent history. Yeah. Uh, that thing's still biting me in the ass. Per 
that, per your recent history. That was months ago. And I just got over the trauma of that episode. Thanks, Lucas. Oh, gee, I think you've got this one. This is not uncommon, is it, where you transfer these shares and the cost basis doesn't show up right? Well, you would hope that it would be right. My question is, is was this a transfer due to the company's change or did you transfer it? Because the standard, I think, would be a lot higher if it was the company that did the change. You know, I, I would I would be a lot, uh, a lot more hot under the collar, as it were, if they made the change from Morgan to UBS and then they screwed it up. I'd be like, this is all your fault. And, you know, hell hath no fury than OG scorn. I think that's a phrase. But, you scared um, me. You scared me with that. The uh, you want to get this fixed because unless you own the shares prior to like whatever it was, 2010 ish, 2012 or so, sometime back then, then the uh, UBS is going to uh, report what they know to be the case to the IRS. And then you're going to report whatever you want. And then you're going to get a letter from the IRS that goes, this isn't what we have. Because they're going to take the UBS numbers. So, yeah, you need to work with it. Now, here's the cool thing. A lot of times there's nothing really you have to do other than just go online and edit the cost basis. You can edit it yourself. So the right answer is asterisk. Check with your tax <laughs> advisor prior to blah, 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 et cetera, Insert legal et stuff here. Yes, insert legal stuff here. Tax advisor, tax advisor, tax advisor. However, you paid $85 a share with your 15% discount from a hundred, you're going to report $85 a share. Now, the thing with ESPPs though, is we have to keep in mind that they're taxed differently depending on how long you own the shares. If you own them from zero to two years, and then you sell it, that 15% discount in your case, Lucas, is taxed as ordinary income. So you're going to get a different tax form for that than you would regular selling them. If you own it past two years, then you get to have that all be capital gain. So what we set up for clients, what we advise people to do is create a spreadsheet. You know, usually there's some some rhythm to when you purchase these these shares and you say, okay, you know, I purchased them on January, you know, whatever, January 5th, April 5th, July 5th, October 5th, whatever the cadence is. Set up your spreadsheet so that you know, okay, this tranche has been around for two years. I can sell it. And I only pay capital gains taxes, which could be as low as zero. So kind of keep that rolling two-year cycle going. But you should be able to go online, update it through UBS. If you have to call somebody, call somebody. But you want to get this right before you uh, before you get to your uh, tax, end of the tax year. Well, I love that two-year cycle you talk about because I like the diversification aspect of it, of keeping that moving. That, you know, you're investing a little bit in your company, which is fine. That's good. But you're constantly diversifying as they're hopefully giving you more of these. Yeah. I mean, that's the idea, right? Is that if you don't have a plan going into it, we talk to people all the time, especially, you know, as you move up in your career, more and more of your compensation gets tied to uh, equity compensation and award-based compensation. Obviously, ESPPs, you're purchasing those with your paycheck with a little bit of a discount, but you add that plus your non-qualified options, plus your RSUs and plus the incentive shares and all these other sorts of things. And, you know, you look at it one day and you got 50 grand worth of company stock and you fast forward 20 years and now you've got $1.5 million of company stock at a really low cost basis. And you're going, how do I get out of this without paying two or $300,000 in taxes? It's kind of sneaky if you don't have a plan to diversify it. As well, you and, and the other piece of that, that I love OG is, you know, they're buying it. Uh, Lucas is buying it like a conveyor belt in. So he's getting pricing that for a lot of people is once every six months, they'll price these and then, and then put it in. 
if you do the same thing out where you're doing it twice a year, it's almost like your dollar cost averaging in because you don't know where the price is going to be and your dollar cost averaging back out. So you're not playing this game that people want to get into of, Ooh, I know we got a big product coming up next month. So I'm just going to hold on a little bit. Next thing you know, you haven't sold in three years. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Thanks for the question, Lucas. And, uh, I think we did a good job of keeping Doug out of that, you know, because of his, uh, well, because it's based on, his yeah, based on, based on your history, stackybedjamins.com slash voicemail. If you've got a question for the Haven lifeline and Lucas is getting some awesome Stacky Benjamin's greatest money show on earth swag for being brave and uh, helping us out there. Hey, thanks also to everybody who has uh, left us a review of this show. We've gotten some great reviews and I've gotten some wonderful notes from people that listen to the show. And I, and I love it when people write me. And by the way, if you want to talk about the making of the show, whatever, I, we spoke to uh, Zachary recently about the making of the show a little bit. You want to talk about anything, just email me, joe at stackingbenjamins.com. But if you leave us a review, don't leave us a review because you want a book, but I've got a stack of books because people send me their book to either get on the show or because of the fact that I got to prep for the show and I don't have room in the basement. So we are mailing those out. I've been giving people lately choices of five different books. So send me a photo of your review, joe at stackybenjamins.com. And uh, as I said, don't leave us a review because you want a book, but man, I got some books to give away <laughs> right right, right now. Officially, I'm, I'm saying I'm putting your name in a hat, but I still have a lot of them. All right. That's going to do it for this episode. Coming up on Friday, big roundtable. Doc G's going to join us. We're going to talk about productivity. What are OG Doc G's, both the G's. <laughs> all the G's and Paula pants, best productivity hacks. We're going to talk about that. You also get a side dose of Doug and me bonus on that episode as well. And of course our trivia challenge that happens every Friday between our contributors. If you're not here though, for trivia challenges, you're not here for Doug's trivia. See, I added in this time. We did it today. You're you're not here for that. You're here because you need better help in your corner. It is now July and you realize you are not making the right decisions with your money or you think you can make better decisions. OG and his team are there to help. Head to stackingbenjamins.com slash OG to check out their financial planning team. Get on their calendar for a meeting. They can talk about how to interface with you and your current team to make better saving and goal setting and investing decisions. Stackingbenjamins.com slash OG. All right. That I think does it except for one thing at the end of every episode, Doug tells us what we should have learned. Doug, narrow it down, man. How about a top three? Well, Joe, first take some advice from our guests, Daniel and Christopher, and don't be anyone's fool. Do your best Van Halen and protect yourself from scams. Second, take some advice from our headline. Sound too good to be true. Market beating returns, easy access to funds invested in a non-liquid investment, spelling errors in the pitch. Yeah, might not be a scam, but hard pass. But the big lesson, turns out the sizzler does send out these coupons for buy one, get one free to everyone. Huh. I guess I'd better cool down Todd before he meets me for that hot dog eating duel I proposed. My bad, Todd. Thanks to Daniel and Christopher for joining us today. You can find out more about their work, Nobody's Fool, why we get taken in and what we can do about it wherever you buy books. We'll also include links in our show notes at stackingbenjamins.com in case you want the book and want to support the show and maybe help me buy a better dad joke book for Joe. Easy. This show is the property of SB Podcasts, LLC, copyright 2023, and is created by Joe Salcihai. Our producer is Karen Repine. 
This show was written by Lacey Langford, who's also the host of the Military Money Show, with help from me, Joe, and Doc G from the Earn and Invest podcast. Kevin Bailey helps us take a deeper dive into all the topics covered on each episode in our newsletter called The 201. You'll find the 411 on all things money at The 201. Just visit stackingbenjamins.com slash 201. Tina Eichenberg makes the video version of this show. Once we bottle up all this goodness, we ship it to our engineer, the amazing Steve Stewart. Steve helps the rest of our team sound nearly as good as I do right now. Want to chat with friends about the show later? Mom's friend Gertrude and Kate Yunkin are our social media coordinators, and Gertrude is the room mother in our Facebook group called The Basement. So, say hello when you see us posting online. To join all the basement fun with other stackers, type stackingbenjamins.com basement. Not only should you not take advice from these nerds, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, speak with a real financial advisor. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you next time back here at the Stacking Benjamin Show. Well, Stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans. And all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender. Can you believe it's almost football season? It's funny you I was say listening that. To, I was listening to sports radio just before we started recording, and all they're talking about is football. Yeah. it's amazing. I, uh, I don't know why. Here we are in the middle of summer, and it's hot and all of the things, all of the summer things, and yet I was cooking something earlier today, and the smell made me think of that time in like late September, 
just when it's getting into like the heart of football season, you're getting fabulous past the Patsy games and you're getting, starting to get into conference stuff. And yeah, I just like, like what's wrong. I'm like hitting myself in the head. Like, no, enjoy summer. Don't fast forward. But yep. I'm thinking about it. Every team's still kind of in it. Yeah. There's hope even for the worst teams, you know, hope for teams like at Purdue. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Cause we played slippery rock and some other (laughs) Juco. (laughs) Do you see that OG? He was right there and I just slid that in. That's pow, good. Pow. I have I have a friend, by the way, who is unfortunately getting a divorce because his wife said all he thinks about is football. Wow. Yeah. And he's like, that's, that's the reason. Yeah. I feel like there's yeah. got to be more reasons than that. Well, m- maybe. One he, might argue, well, I think of football quite a bit. <laughs> and, <laughs> I, don't get, I, don't, I, I don't get divorced. Don't your marriage is still fine. Joe, which friend of yours are you talking about? <laughs> The one who likes football, apparently. Yes, yes. He said it's it's really a tragedy because they've been together for eight seasons, so. Oh, God. <laughs> Sucked us all the way in. Just pulled us. Oh, oh, my God. The entire reel. Who needs a better joke book? Who needs? <laughs> <laughs> We're like porpoising on top of the water. We just got the whole thing. We're just splashing around. I was like, that hook is way in there. Yeah. <laughs> nope. <laughs> 